I'm your host, Will Howarth. Welcome to TL Life Cross Current. just heard an extract from Spruce by fourth-year violinist Matthew Norris. Expect more later in the podcast, along with an introduction to Rude Health at the Southbank Centre by composer James Fawcett, and thoughts on the English language with Dr. Coel Chatterjee. First, I would like to introduce you to current dance teaching and learning diploma student Yenayel Tiran and alumnus pianist Michaela Lividiotis, who together have formed cross-arts improvisation group Company Concentric. Here's Michaela performing an extract from their new work, Play On. My name is Michaela. I met Yanel whilst I was doing my undergraduate at Trinity, which I finished June 2018. And in September, same year, I started a master's course in contemporary piano at the Royal College of Music. My name is Yanael. I grew up in Belgium and I've been living in London for about six years now. I trained at The Place at London Contemporary Dance School and graduated three years ago. I'm currently studying part-time at Trinity Laban on the Diploma in Dance Teaching and Learning. It's really relevant to my practice at the moment because I do teach children, teenagers and also older groups and community groups. When I started studying at Trinity Laban, I was quite curious to find out about the music side of the conservatoire and got to meet Michaela, who was studying the piano then. How did you first start collaborating? I was speaking to Joe House and our mutual friend about finding a dancer who might want to improvise with me, which was something that I've been doing for a very long time since I was young. And he mentioned a dancer that he was working with who also liked improvising, and he said, I'll put you in touch. We met up in a Trinity practice room, and I think we spent an hour, an hour and a half, from the beginning just improvising and I think we didn't stop. We looked at the time and we realised, oh my goodness, we've been here for a while and we said we should try and meet regularly and see what comes of it. So you'd say it was an instant connection? I think it was, yeah, (laughs) because that was two years ago and since then we've been meeting quite regularly, doing mostly improvised performances together and then we took part in an improv competition here at Trinity Laban. That was the Gladys Puttick improvisation competition. Which was 2017 and I think you won yes yes, we we did did. (laughs) we did did. I think they really liked our partnership and the way both of us were playing 
our instrument, our body mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. I think on that day, we both really felt like we had to keep going and we had to continue yes. working together. And so we made a piece together last spring mm -hmm. as part of New Lights Piano Festival here at Trinity Laban. We had set music called Musical Toys. So introducing again this idea of playfulness in the score for you and then in my movement mm -hmm. responses. The score, it's Musical Toys. It's a collection by Sofia Gubadelina. So that was last spring. And then we decided to take that piece further and make a 20-minute piece, which we're currently working on. That one is called Play On, and it's going to be performed at The Place at Resolution Festival on the 23rd of January 2019. Tell me what the starting point is for your improvisation. We started by talking about the idea of playing the piano and playing dance and what it means to maybe play each other's disciplines and the relationship between a dancer and a musician and how far we can swap it around or maybe make that really ambiguous. Yes, the first thing that we did was to list a series of games. So we came up with musical chairs, chess, snakes and ladders, grandma's footsteps, and we wondered how we could embody these games or play these games on the piano. Mm -hmm. So we started from a very much improvisational perspective, took the name of the game, played, danced to it, saw what came mm -hmm. up, and then we started editing and selecting mm -hmm. a few little movement or music cells, and so this is what we're trying to set mm -hmm. now. The performance will be largely scored, it won't be all improvised, there are elements and yeah. sections like chess particularly, which is extremely set, mm -hmm. and then other sections will be a bit freer, so more really playing around yeah. the idea of the game. And also leaving room for you as audiences to interpret each of these sections your way. So you will also be playing your part with yes. us, really. I think the title as well is referring to the fact that you couldn't necessarily repeat this performance. That's the idea. Some bits are highly structured, but then there are other places where there's movement for improvising in a way that we feel is appropriate at the time. I wonder if you could tell me why it is that you're keen to have these unforeseen elements of the piece. I think there's a little bit of a comment on habits and what yeah. we tend to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Constantly watching videos and replaying the same things mm. over and over again on social media. And our interest lies in the real experience of living the performance in the moment mm -hmm. and witnessing something that cannot possibly be repeated. What most excites us are really these unexpected interactions, the moments of synchronicity that aren't planned for but that do happen yes. because we because have we're been so connected exactly yeah. because we have been working together for so long i really like the element of risk and spontaneity not even the performers know what might happen for me it brings something to life a little bit more because if we do something that really works and have that moment of eye contact it's real for us as well it's not something that we've planned and we're just recreating it it's happening in that moment i think a combination of the two things is quite magical sometimes <laughs> Does it worry you then that when you have these moments of improvisational brilliance, if that isn't documented, that moment is lost forever and that you can never show anyone that one moment? So I suppose it's a question about the transience of improvisation. Interesting. It reminds me of this quote from Merce Cunningham, the American
American choreographer, and he said that dance is the most sort of fleeting art form because it doesn't give you paintings that you can put mm. on the wall or recordings, music that you could have recorded and play on a loop. And I think that's the beauty of it as well. That's the essence of our work. It's yeah. a live form. It's a performing art. And so that's why it can be that it just happens and then disappears. And because our partnership continues and there will be more performances, nothing really dies. I think that's quite exciting, actually, because it becomes this one moment that you were either there or you weren't. Thank you, Yanail Tiran and Michaela Lividiotis. We'll be hearing more from them a little later. Next up, an introduction to Rude Health at the South Bank Centre. My name is James Fawcett. My year of study, I'm the second year of the postgrad competition, MMUS. Rude Health is a three-day event in which three of the six years of the composition department present pieces. Everything about the evening is determined and run by the students. One of the things that is encouraged is to try and do stuff that's ambitious. This year was particularly impressive because of how slick everything was. Last year when I went to see the events, I noticed that a lot of attention was paid to the individual pieces. But this year, particularly on Thursday and Friday, there was real care and attention paid to the evening as a whole, which meant it was much more of a piece in itself, an evening as an event. Could you just say a bit about what the piece you presented was? Yeah, sure. I was very interested in the relationship between rhythm and pitch. So if you speed a polyrhythm up like three against four, you get a consonant interval. interested in ambisonics. Ambisonics is positioning sound within a 3D space. I had attempted to set up an ambisonic rig, which is like a cube of speakers, and these sped up polyrhythms and the pitches would move within this space. So the rhythms would start underneath low, and as they'd speed up, they'd appear above the audience. You're taking rude health to the South Bank Centre in January, is that right? That's correct. We're taking aspects of Rude Health and we're adapting them to work within the Friday lunchtime slot at the South Bank Centre in the ballroom 
near the foyer. So it's going to be quite different for various reasons. One of them is at lunchtime. So most of the events, they're designed for the nighttime and they're designed for small rooms, but the space is massive in the Southwick Centre. And the walls on the outside, they're glass, so it's like a big fish tank, actually. There's none of this separate space where you can have semi-soundproofed walls where there's not very much leak. It's going to be a challenge adapting things for that environment. So it's potentially going to be very different from what we experienced for Rude Health. The Rude Health concerts that we had at Trinity Laban consisted of maybe something like four hours of material. How are you condensing that down to one hour? How are you choosing which works to use? Well, first of all, we thought about if they were feasible, if they could happen and within that vein how many of them were similar in their setup and could be grouped together as opposed to individual pieces dotted around. The next way was things that were visually appealing. The audience, spectators, passers-by are going to notice something visually before they hear it. It's likely that there's going to be three stages or three areas. There'll be a main stage. Some of the more conventional pieces will be put on where it's a performance of the start and an end. And there's players. There's quite a lot this year of use of projectors, more straight audio without performance. So we were thinking of creating a cinema space. Could you mention a few of the pieces that we can expect to hear and what we might see? Sure. Ben Lee Grossart, his pancake piece, which we thought was excellent. Ben's piece involved a jazz group and Ben himself cooking pancakes in a manner like a cooking show. All the hits, all the beats in the cooking, for example, when he cracks the egg, and as he's going through the process of describing what he's doing, is matched, is synced with the band. It's great fun, and at the end there is a result, there's the pancake, there's the smell, it's very immersive and interactive. And what we were thinking actually, we were wondering if we could get more than one cook. So if we get five or six cooks, and they're all doing exactly the same as Ben, then you would have six pancakes a pop, and if this is going on the whole time, you would be giving food to everyone. It would be a great way of engaging and catching people's attention. The event is a Friday lunch at the South Bank Centre, just called Rude Health, at 1 o'clock, 1pm on the 18th of January. I was wondering if you could give me a hidden gem listening recommendation, a piece of music that you love that you think no one else has come across. It's not one song in particular, but I think the whole album is great. It's Winter Sun by Winter Sun. Scandinavian melodic folk death metal. I used to listen to them a lot when I was younger. I actually got to see them play live. Just incredible musicianship. You really feel like you're part of some sort of epic fantasy computer game or something. It's really good fun. There's Sadness and Hate is a fantastic one, but Beyond the Dark Sun is the one that will get you going. Many thanks to James Fawcett. You can find his Hidden Gem listening recommendations along with further details on Root Health at the Southbank Centre on tl-life.com. Now, let's hear a familiar voice from the previous episode. I'm Dr. Koyal Chatterjee and I'm tutor for the new integrated English courses that are being run. Yeah, and it's the first year we started it. We started off with a majority of foundation students, but there's an integrated English path we at diploma BA and MA levels as well so we're hoping that it's going to grow because it seems to be something that 
has a market. A lot of people have inquired about it. Good. I'm wondering where the students come from. Are they largely from within the EU? Are they outside or is it a complete mixture? Uh, it's a complete mix. I've got students from Denmark, from Portugal, from Spain. I've also got a couple of students from Japan, one from Taiwan. It's a very good mix of students and it's very good to see them all interacting in their English classes because they're forced to speak in the same language and it's interesting to see different cultural influences coming into the way they use the language. One of the facts that you sent me that really intrigued me was that English is the national language of England but not the official language. The Norman conquest had such a big influence on the English language. Actually, documentation, legal processes all have Norman French as the official language. Perhaps part of the reason that English isn't the official language is that there is no English parliament. There's a Welsh parliament and there's the Scottish parliament, but England doesn't have its own. It's just the UK parliament. And mm. so if the UK parliament were to declare its official language as English, there's a possibility that we might offend the Welsh and the mm. Scots who have their own languages, which might stir some separatist sentiment. That's actually quite fascinating because I hadn't thought of it like that. For a lot of the Commonwealth countries, English is still the official language. For instance, India, because it has so many languages within balance, English is still used as the language of commerce and law. I found another thing that I thought was quite interesting. There are, of course, also ghost words, words that appeared in the dictionary because of printing errors. They're there in the dictionary, but no one uses them. Did you find any ghost words? The non-existent word dord, D-O-R-D, it appeared in the dictionary for eight years in the mid-20th century, and that's, I think, one of the first recorded ghost words. What I found out about Dord was that it was basically an error by an editor of the dictionary. The index card entry for density had written next to it D or D. That's capital ah. D or lowercase d. I see. But I came across a couple more ghost words. Two more I'll mention. One was phantom nation, meaning the appearance of a phantom. But actually this came from Alexander Pope's translation of the Odyssey, in which he refers to phantom nations of the dead. And ah. that's phantom nations hyphenated. <laughs> but at some point during the process of transferring from the translation to the dictionary, that became a single word, which someone then guessed a definition for. The other word I found was esquivalience, which is the only ghost word which is a deliberate error, mm. um, either a joke or just to mislead people. So the definition of esquivalience was listed as willful avoidance of one's official responsibilities. <laughs> I wanted to talk a bit about new words being added to the dictionary whose origin is social media rather than literary. Mm -hmm. So the two most recent examples are hangry, a conjunction yes. of hungry and angry, yes. and mansplaining, yes. which as far as I understand it is a man patronisingly explaining something to a woman, yes. as might be what I'm doing right now because you're <laughs> probably aware of this. 
Yes, yes. There's been a lot of discussion about that. Hungry has become very fashionable nowadays and I think it makes sense. It's such an appropriate word, isn't it? I think all of us feel hungry at least once a week. Mansplaining on the other hand is rather tricky because it's not always meant to be condescending. I think it's just that men have a habit of explaining things in very much more detail than I think women do. English is probably one of those languages that has 10,000 synonyms for every word. Interestingly, though, synonym doesn't have synonym. That's the only word probably in the English language that doesn't have an alternative. And its antonym is antonym, <laughs> which is quite nice as well. Thank you, Dr. Casey. Next, we're going to hear more from Yanael Tiran and Michaela Livadiotis on collaboration and their future artistic plans. In your experience of Trinity Laban, would you say that there was a lot of crossover between the music and dance faculty? Uh-huh. I think collab is one of the main selling points of Trinity and I think it's a great thing to do, but unfortunately it doesn't continue throughout the year. And I think it would be interesting if we had musicians playing for dancers classes or having classes together like Alexander Technique, maybe some theory classes, but definitely it's one of the best places is in terms of conservatoire to meet dancers and that's a great thing too for sure and i think there's already some crossover i do take yoga classes mm. in the laban building and mm. i've been going to the yoga for musician class yeah. recently so do I. i agree i feel like collab is one of the most exciting experiences at laban but again it's only a week long project and when we met and started improvising together what we wanted to develop was more of a year long mm. or an ongoing relationship mm. and and i wish there was more space for mm. that within the curriculum almost in the same way that you would meet with a chamber group the resources are here the opportunities to meet are here the rehearsal spaces are here the performance opportunities are here mm-hmm. i guess it's just a matter of getting people excited about meeting and working together yeah and just telling people that that's an option that they can just send out an email to all dance students if they're a musician mm. look i've got this piece of music i'm looking for dancers mm. i'm wondering if you have any plans for new work or to continue with play on after resolution festival we're hoping to develop this piece and possibly create a workshop out of it where we can work with other musicians other dancers or performers and really explore that idea of cross disciplinary improvisation yes we've devised 10 movements for this piece mm-hmm. so we've got 10 sets of rules mm. for games that both musicians and dancers can play and most importantly that dancers and musicians can play together, together. so these are the games and the scores that we would use for workshops mm. and that would be starting from the summer Now, we've got a very exciting company name and company <laughs> website coming up soon. We're currently working with a graphic designer from Belgium who's designing the company logo for us. The name is Company Concentric, like concentric circles, <laughs> with the idea that we've got a shared starting point, but all of us, so pianist, dancer, we're working with a costume designer and a set designer as well, are sort of gravitating around this central point and just bringing out different disciplines and our different perspectives so soon you will have company concentric on instagram facebook twitter and all social media but for now just follow my profile yanael dance y a n a e l l e d a n 
S-E, to find out more. So you're interested in cross-disciplinary arts. I wonder if there are any other kinds of art forms that you would consider incorporating into your work. For example, there used to be a venue called Jamboree at Limehouse, mm. and I remember going to quite a few gigs there where there would be people painting at the back. They had a big canvas up and they would make these abstract paintings inspired by the music that was currently being played. What we're most interested in is creating art together as opposed to, like you said, having an artist at the back of the room. Why not bring the artist onto the stage and have them create the set as you go? Ideas like that, I think, we're most interested in as opposed to having your two disciplines happening at the same time and maybe they're complementary, but they're not created together. They don't depend on one another's <laughs> actions. And I think in the process with our costume designer and Sally, who's making the set, it's been exactly like that. All four of us are talking about what mm. we're doing together yeah. and I'm going to give Sally ideas for the set and then she's going to come to our mm. rehearsal and comment on the music and the movement. Mm. So we're really inviting this sense of swapping roles and swapping mm. ideas. Giving questions to each other. What happens if my costume makes a noise or is part of the music or the set has something to do with movement as opposed to being a static set? Mm. We're going to have costumes that make sound. <laughs> Some sort of sound. I'm not telling you more at this point. And the set is going to be part of the choreography, yes. for sure. So it's all very closely connected. Yes. This is a sample of some music you can expect to hear. I'd like to ask you for your hidden gem listening recommendations. These are the pieces of music that you love to listen to that you suspect no one else has ever come across. I've been getting into jazz rap recently, a tribe called Quest, which is amazing. <laughs> jazz rap uses sampling of jazz music as a basis and then builds rap on top of it. It's different to jazz in that the improvisation comes through the spoken word as opposed to the instrumentation. I'm going to recommend excursions. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm constantly looking for new music for my dance classes. I can't really pick one because I've been listening to so many very different tracks lately, but the way I've approached it is to just type a keyword in your music browser, say Spotify, <laughs> and see what comes up and just click a few. So what I've been exploring in dance classes recently includes symmetry, symmetrical and asymmetrical movements. I came up with the most interesting mm. 
soundtracks. And that was really interesting for my students in the creative task. So I suggest just typing a few words and seeing what comes up. Thank you, Yanail Tiran and Michaela Lividiotis. You can find links to more information about Company Concentric, their performance at Resolution Festival, and Michaela's hidden gem listening recommendation on tl-life.com. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. But don't worry, TL Life Crosscurrent will be back. You have been hearing Spruce by BMUS4 violinist Matthew Norris. Next time on the podcast, amongst others, we'll be hearing new music from BMUS1 harpist Rebecca Moray-Gallian. And I just thought I should do something I've never done before, so I started creating some beats, and it's so radically different from everything I've ever done so far. Mm.